everyone and welcome to In Conversation, a new video series from Shift. Today our video topic is going to be making advertising eco-friendly. And I'm here with the founding team from Green the Bid. That is Jesse Nagel, Julian Katz, and Michael Kaliski. Jesse, Julian, and Michael, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank Thanks you. for having us. So excited to talk to you about Green the Bid and, and making advertising more eco-friendly. So to jump in, just so we can kind of get to know all the players here, I'd love if each of you can really quickly just introduce yourselves. Um, tell us a little bit about the work you do outside of Green the Bid, and then we can kind of jump into the specifics. Sounds great. Uh, I'm Jesse Nagel, and I have a communications agency that I co-founded called Hype. We do PR, communications, social media, marketing, primarily for creative content providers behind the scenes in entertainment and advertising. Uh, I'm Julian Katz. I spent 23 years as an agency producer um, and most recently have been working on contract at Facebook, helping to oversee all of our external agency production work, uh, including all of our DNI sustainability and other social impact programs. Hey, I'm uh, Michael Kliske, uh, founder of uh, Good Planet Innovation. Uh, it's a, we're a sustainable uh, production consultancy, uh, originally from the film and television industry. And uh, we, you know, Good Planet also greens films, TV shows, and uh, commercials. Awesome. I feel like we're represented from all different sides here. So I'm really excited to jump in. Um, Michael, I'd actually love to start with you as kind of the, the environmental expert here. I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of history, a little bit of context around the idea of green productions or eco-friendly productions. Like, how has this movement been going? Is it new? Is it old? Like, where are we now in terms of, of the idea of making all types of productions eco-friendly? Yeah, great, uh, great question. Um, well, when I was in the film and television world, you know, it was a, it was a little early days for this concept. And um, uh, when I first started in the 90s, nobody wanted to hear this conversation. They actually looked at me like I was a little bit crazy to even bring it up. And then um, uh, in the 2000s, I had a production company geared towards humanitarian environmental issues, but realized that we were generally preaching the choir. So, um, so I started Good Planet originally to integrate sustainability, sustainable and ethical behavior on screen. And uh, right after we launched, we started to also uh, look at the production aspects and make productions um, zero waste and, and net carbon neutral. Uh, but at the time, when we first started 10 years ago, it was really client driven. So the brand would mandate it and would kind of, you know, the mandate would roll down to, to or, you know, roll through the agency and then to the production company. And then, you know, we would execute the plan. But it was just a one-off. It was the exception, uh, not the rule. And um, a couple of years ago, I started a partnership program, which uh, partnered with production companies and agencies and brands to green their entire slate of, of, of productions. And that was a great step in the right direction. But still, I mean, the world's on fire. The oceans are choking. We don't have time to do it one company at a time. So green the bid was a natural evolution. And it's going beautifully where we are um, engaging the entire industry, all the stakeholders from brands to, uh, to, to agencies, production companies, post houses and vendors um, and uh, you know, various local governments and nonprofit organizations to, to communicate together and share resources to make this uh, a, a global movement. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to dive in a little further on, on green the bid specifically, you know, 
10,000 feet up in the air. What is Green the Bid? How does it work? And, and kind of how did it get started? Obviously, you're all, uh, I think you're three of the five founding members of, of the movement, but would love to learn a little bit about um, what it is. How would you describe it to somebody that, that has never heard of it before? Um, okay, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, I guess the, the, the genesis of it really was uh, an evolution of the work that Michael had been doing, certainly in sustainability, but also what we've all been doing individually over time. Michael and I actually are on the West Board of AICP, and we were part of a small team that worked on sustainability guidelines for the organization. Uh, and when we started talking with people many years ago, about this, it, we really heard that people were having difficulty being able to enact some, as much of the things that they wanted to do for various either perceived or real things that were occurring within the chain. So when we started talking about this, we said, you know, how can we bring everybody together so that they can kind of take their part their, uh, of the responsibility level and sort of link arms, it sounds very kumbaya, but you know, really agree that as a community, we can try to affect change um, by identifying who is really kind of responsible for what and then learn from each other. So we started to really talk about this in earnest well over a year ago and we were ready to launch in March, but then the pandemic hit. And that really changed, you know, obviously changed things for everybody because we were on pause, but it also provided us with an opportunity to say, well, it's not the right time to talk to people about this in this moment but maybe we can dig a little deeper and really refine the way that we want to develop this. Because what we recognized in that moment at a time where people maybe felt really isolated, but also were experiencing something on this mass scale was that it was time for us to really try to forge a community. And so mm -hmm. that's what we set out to do with Green the Bid. Awesome. I'd love to hear um, personally kind of from each of you, obviously you kind of come from different um, industries, different areas of expertise. Why, Michael, it, it might be a little obvious for you. I know you've been doing this work for a long time, but Jesse and Julian, why did you um, personally feel like this was something you wanted to get involved in? Why, like, where does that passion come from for you where you would actually join together and, and start this movement? Um, I mean, speaking for myself, I'm a Northern California boy I'm a, you know my parents are both hippies and I grew up um, caring about the environment and about recycling and uh, I mean that that seems you know kind of trite to say but that's uh, you know so that that's that's where I come from and um, when I first met Michael a few years ago uh, he started to raise you know, these issues about how wasteful our industry is with me. And of course, once he started talking about it, I, I instantly, you know, it, it just clicked with me with my experience. Like, it's not just little plastic water bottles, it's everything. It's air travel, it's um, building these sets and then throwing them away right away. Um, all the food waste, all the um, just props and wardrobe that, you know, are considered kind of disposable. Like, it's like single use everything. Um, so I was so glad to meet Michael and to learn that there are companies like his that, that could help, you know, abate that, that waste. Um, but also, you know, he and I sat on a, a panel at AICP a couple years ago where we, where we were talking about this. And, and what, what we realized was we need to elevate the conversation and make it something that, you know, everyone is talking about. And that the brands that are paying for these productions 
um, take responsibility for. And I think, you know, like Julie and I grew up, uh, I grew up actually in, in Vancouver, BC. And so, and, and my parents were, you know, both very concerned about, I would say, social political things uh, and environmentalism, I guess, being connected to that, particularly my mom, who when, when I was little, I used to think it was mortifying that she would, you know, ta take people to task for littering or go pick up, you know, trash in the park. But she also helped to spearhead the building of an adventure playground at my elementary school. And so there was a lot of reuse, recycle in our household, um, you know, as just something that we did. We created things out of, you know, stuff that we could find. And, and it was very much built into the fabric of, of both how I grew up with them, but also just the community in, in which we lived. Um, and then as I got older, you know, was involved in sort of music movements and political things and so kind of organizing. And I think, you know, even PR kind of connects to that, bringing people together to try to communicate ideas is, you know, obviously what I do professionally. But when I had the opportunity to apply it to something that could be really change making, obviously that that moves me very deeply. So when the, the it kind of came for me personally from watching An Inconvenient Truth and I had some opportunity to do a little bit of PR to support An Inconvenient Truth. And from that, I started having conversations with people like Michael and others who we have now brought back into Green the Bid um, about how our industry could really tackle this challenge. Because I think what happens is we look at these very big problems like climate change and we can feel very powerless. And so there's something really, um, you know, there's something it's, that can bring great strength by looking at, you know, what is it that you do well? What's the community you live in and how can you affect change? So almost like that picking up litter in the back, you know, park, applying what we kind of were raised to do and what we believe in to our own advertising community to make it a better experience. Absolutely. And Michael, I, I don't want to leave you out. Obviously, you, you've been doing this work for a long time, but would love to hear, you know, just a little bit about about why you're so passionate about this work and, and why it's so important to you. Yeah, well, uh, like Julian, I was actually uh, raised in the uh, East Bay of, of the area in uh, Oakland and Berkeley. So it must be something in the water up there. But uh, um, I, my one of the I went to a Catholic school and one of the number one calls my mom would get from the num nuns was Michael's in the dumpster again. I would, I, I don't know what it was, but I would, they threw all this, you know, it wasn't like there was happy eaten burritos in there. There's like all books and school supplies. And I was like pulling a lot. And I used to get in a lot of trouble, but she actually didn't get mad at me for that. She was a little embarrassed, but, um, and then, uh, and then in college, uh, I, I, at UCLA, I used to sit on the main uh, Bruin walk there and, educate people about different issues. Like I dive deep into an issue and then I hold these little discussions and, and create uh, flyers for people, you know, it was before, you know, the internet made it <laughs> so much easier. But, um, and I organized a group bigger than Greenpeace to go shut down the Nevada nuclear weapons test site. So I was very involved at a young age. And I, when I came to Los Angeles, I had no idea what I was going to do, just that it was gonna be something impactful. That's all I knew that I, you know, I was thinking I'm an entrepreneur and I wanna make a difference in the world. And then uh, I was just, my college job was working for all these kind of big producers and, and actors and movie businesses there as their assistant. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I just realized how, what, what power Hollywood has, you know, kind of Hollywood in the big term of like the film industry and television industry to shift uh, global behavior. And I thought, aha, this is where I can uh, really, you know, you know make, make a difference in the world, leveraging Hollywood for good. And then, the, the, and, and then I found, interestingly, that the advertising industry was way 
way more amenable to the conversation. I mean, there's progress being made in film and television, but advertising is really flocking to this and, and film and TV is coming along too, but it's just been a little slower. Yeah, I wonder I, I if wonder that's, um, I was just gonna say, I wonder if that's partially because advertising, you know, we're used to working at such a rapid pace. So ideas come to fruition, things are executed quickly. It's just sort of built into how we operate. And I wonder if that's a big part of it. And I was going to add, by the way, that my mom is from the Bay Area. So there is something <laughs> We'll yeah, have to I, look into that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was, was going to, you know, I, you know, I was going to say on that point, like what I've noodled on this a little bit, like why, why is film and TV so kind of stuck, more stuck in their ways than advertising? And I think it's also because the advertising world, as much as I'm, I'm kind of anti-consumerist, so I'm like, it's ironic that I'm working so much in advertising, but um, I, uh, I found that uh, film and television people are building stories that are often not related to what's happening in the real world, whereas advertisers have to know what happened last week and have to respond, like, the, you know, the production cycle is so short. If they put up, if they put in an ad that, that, that would have worked a year ago, it's, it might not work right now. Whereas a film has a little bit longer gestation period. And I think that they don't have to pay attention to like the fact that the world's on fire, or that oceans are, are being choked. They're, they can actually kind of live in their storyland a little bit longer. Yeah, well, I think that's and... even built in is that, is that film is supposed to be kind of timeless and that it shouldn't point to a specific moment in time. You should be able to watch it anytime and it should make sense. So that's, a, that's interesting. But also, you you know, with advertising, you have a brand that's going to be held accountable for all of their actions and 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 the messages that they put out there in in a really immediate way. People look at a piece of advertising; they know exactly what it's for, who paid for it. Um, there's just more accountability baked into it, I think. I think you're right. You're not going to see something where you know you have an alien spaceship that comes into a film, and people are like, "Wow, they just destroyed that planet." That's not very ego conscious. <laughs> think about the the jet fuel for the what? UFO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> carbon footprint to go from here to the next solar system is brutal. We have a lot of questions about these narratives. Clearly. <laughs> I I do want to dive into to the there's a unique aspect to the advertising industry in that it's so um, multifaceted. I guess there's there's a lot of stakeholders. There's a lot of people and and pieces at play. It's not just a filmmaker, a production company. We're talking a brand, maybe an agency, maybe a sales rep, production post-production, it's not just about uh, finding that one person to make that one decision. And I'm wondering if, if all of you can, can talk me through how the Green the Bid you know, initiative deals with, with each of those things differently. So what are you asking of agencies versus brands versus production companies? And, and what does each of their individual involvement look like? Well, the, the, the most important thing is that we you know, elevate this conversation, let it become a top of mind consideration for, for all of the stakeholders. That's, that's the first commitment, basically. And I think that just by asking people to think about this and talk about it, that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're doing with this work. But specifically, um, each, each uh, sector um, is responsible for a different um, piece of the equation. So obviously the brand is the one that's paying for the entire production. This is advertising for their products. Um, so if there's any financial consideration uh, to, to having a sustainable production that falls on the brand and we ask that the brands accept that responsibility. Um, the agencies are the next kind of 
you know, tier below the brands, uh, the agency is the ones coming up with the ideas and um, hiring the production companies and the post houses, et cetera. So the agencies we ask to advocate for the brands to pay for whatever's necessary to have a sustainable production. Also just to, to you know, take responsibility for elevating this conversation mm -hmm. to the advertisers. Um, the production companies, uh, we ask to include a line item for sustainability if there are costs associated with it, um, with hiring a company like Michael's or, you know, there's several others that we recommend as well. Um, or whether it's, you know, hiring on additional production staff to handle the sustainability aspect themselves. Whatever it is, we ask that they include a sustainability line item within the bid um, and that they defend that when, you know, if, if challenged. <laughs> um, post houses, it's mostly about data storage and, um, you know, their, their, their uh, energy plan within their office. Um, and then uh, the, each of the individual vendors, whether you're a caterer or a grip and electrical truck, we're gonna have very different considerations, but we have guidelines that we ask them to adhere to as best they can. Um, and then everyone we ask to, um, try to have a sustainable energy plan, you know, a green energy plan, a good office plan that involves um, composting uh, and donations of food waste. Um, and I think just about everyone has, you know, data storage issues that they could look into as well. Yeah, and on the website, we have guidelines as Julian talked about so that people can reference the recommendations that we have. Uh, so that if they want to look at their office plan and things like that, that they can dig deep into it. But they also can, of course, as we've mentioned, partner with somebody like Michael to be able to make sure that it happens at the highest level and also, you know, provide things like rap, you know, sustainability reports and things so it can be tracked. Um, and then a key part of it, as Julian talked about, is this conversation point, which is really to bring the community together. So we have member meetings on a quarterly basis and we also have conversations in between. Uh, we, pr we respond every time we have a conversation to something that comes up in it, which is sort of the beauty of, the, of really of the plan, right? You can't know everything and we're off, often working in siloed ways. So by talking to each other, things come up and then we're able to either address those or find the right people to be able to be tasked to research something. So the idea is that it is an ongoing conversation and a journey so that even if people are starting out at not doing anything, although most people do some things, uh, they know it's a process that they can work through and they're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's so important that every individual um, stakeholder feels like they're, they're being spoken to directly because what might be required for an agency doesn't work for a production company, what might be required for a vendor doesn't work for a brand. So to have that really tailored, no matter who you are, no matter what you do in this process, there are specific steps you could take to, to really get involved. I love that, that you've, you've planned all of that out. Um, I want to ask about an aspect of kind of, you know, eco-friendly production, eco-friendly advertising, and that's showing green eco-friendly practices in front of the camera. Um, Michael, I know at Good Planet, that's something that you guys uh, encourage when you work with productions and when you work with uh, agencies and anyone, anyone making content. Is that something that you're actively encouraging or something that you can kind of push to say, hey, not only is it important that the actual physical production is eco-friendly, but that we're actually showing some of this stuff on screen to just make people kind of more aware of it and, and think about it more. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a really important piece of it. Um, you know, we're, we're spending a little more time on the physical production bit right now, but the, cause the creative is so, you know, it's really, it's really subjective and, and up to the agency to, to make that happen. But we are definitely encouraging it in kind of like a non-prescriptive way that, uh, that they should look, be looking at their projects in through that lens. Um, like for example, if you had a party scene, you're selling soap and it's a classic, oops, I spilled barbecue on my shirt moment, you know, but everybody in that party should not be holding, you know, plastic cups or, you know, you know, even like, even what's on the grill, let's have some more plant-based stuff on that grill. You know, you don't have to be preachy about it. You don't have to like point it out, you know, cause that kind of, kind of might ruin the essence of the, of the spot or the film or TV show, you know, this is applicable to all kinds of content. Um, but, uh, you know, we present in general on screen aspirational characters. And so we ought to have those characters behaving in, 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 in a responsible ways. Yeah. And it can be so subtle. Like you said, I think that people get turned off a lot by the preaching or the guilting or the, you know, shame around you're not doing this or you're not doing that. But it's almost like a subliminal message. The more you see it, the more normalized it becomes. We don't even have to point it out, but but slowly and surely you'll be like, huh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, we all take for granted. I know obviously during COVID, it's been a little bit difficult, but we take for granted now that we bring a grocery bag to the store mm -hmm. in many, many cities anyway. We take that for granted as being a normal course of behavior. So if you had that on screen, it would just be reinforcing something that many people and places are already doing. But for those places that don't, it again, normalizes that behavior. And just in terms of green the bid and kind of who we are and our vibe is that we don't wanna be in a situation where we're making people feel guilty or bad. There's enough doom and gloom. Our idea is to bring people together to have some hope and to be able to make progress and move and to interweave you know, different exciting ideas and innovations in order to be able to really look at sustaining who not only we are, but our business sustainable and always really, because we love what we do. We want to continue to do it. We just don't want to do it at the detriment of our planet. Yeah. It's way more fun to be inspiring than judgy too. Definitely. And it works better <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, I'd love to hear about kind of your, I mean, for lack of a better word, outreach. Um, obviously, you're, you're kind of a group of, of five founders from different areas of the industry and different uh, uh, areas of expertise. And you're trying to really tell everybody about this program and, and get a lot of people involved. What have you been doing or how have you been tackling kind of outreach and messaging, getting people excited, getting people involved, um, especially now during COVID, it must be even harder. So how are you reaching people? You know, really, it started with a couple things, but one of them was just, you know, we all work in these different aspects of the industry. So although we know a lot of the same people uh, and our paths have individually crossed many times, we do collectively have a pretty good network. So we started there, right? Let's start with the people that we know that have maybe even had conversations with us in the past about sustainability and try to bring them into the fold as almost, you know, inaugural members. And so that's really how it started. And we did conversations like this and we continue to do conversations that are small and intimate and really dig deep to explain what our ideas uh, are about Green the Bid, but also to get input and impact from other people. So that's how it began. And as that, we did that for a number of months. And in fact, because of COVID and because people are at home, in some ways we had opportunity to talk to people 
I would say in a way that it would have been more difficult if we had to go make an appointment to see them in an office uh, or at a time where they maybe were busier. Um, of course, we wish everybody was busy, but people really took the time to listen. I think it was also an opportunity for people to reflect during COVID about many systemic issues. Um, and so sustainability being one of them and interconnected to you know, other rights issues and so on. So you know, thinking about how can we do better as a society, but also how can we do better individually and as an industry. So we started there. Um, and then when we launched, you know, we, we started to do the kind of outreach that you normally would in a launch. So we did some PR around it. We have a social media uh, you know, side where we're doing it. It's all, it's all volunteer, but just any way that we could to amplify each other's message and to communicate more broadly. And then another key part of it is that we are partnering with various organizations. So DNAD and others who have an interest in this area. And so they wanted to be able to collaborate with us. And even, even with um, partners like uh, Ad Green and Albert in the UK who are doing similar sustainable things, recognizing that again, with this network idea, if we can start to build this with organizations, with entities, companies, et cetera, there's gonna be a huge power in that kind of collective mindset. So that's really kind of where we started. Did I miss anything, you guys? There might be more that we did. I know we did a lot of work in trying to reach out <laughs> to people. Well, you know, I'll say like, it, it's, it's also kind of growing organically because people are hearing about it indirectly mm -hmm. as well. Cause um, uh, you know, along with the, you know, the great uh, PR work Jesse's done and and uh, the word of mouth through our, our personal relationships. Ford found us, for example, you know, they, I mean, I knew people there, we were gonna get to them, but they called us before we reached out to them. So, you know, and, and I think that what's, what's starting to happen and which we were hoping for and is happening is there's a certain social proof to like, now we've hit this kind of critical mass and we're just at the beginning. You know, I think, what do we have to sit? 70, 60, 70 members now. But they're they're all recognized companies in the industry that are respected, and uh, and it's just going to cascade organically to hopefully to where it's the standard across the entire global industry. That's you know sounds audacious, but we're heading that way. Well, and some of our members have relationships with a lot of different companies. Like an agency is going to have five, ten, twenty different clients that, and if they if they start if they really truly commit to doing this and to making you know elevating this conversation and that means that they're introducing this notion to a lot of different brands um and production companies potentially and so it it, it is kind of this ecosystem of of connections and and uh you know communications that are going that's going to make this a, a much more mainstream kind of broadly accepted uh issue i think or topic we are a word of mouth industry you know i mean that's how most people get their business and it's how we do business. We, we learn you know, who we can trust to get jobs done. And I think that's the same here. You know, when companies look at each other and they recognize each other as member companies, they know that they'll uphold their part of it or do their best to uphold part of it, their part of it. Uh, and so when they, when they feel that, um, you know, they, it can be very powerful. So we've had people contact us actually from, we originally thought of it as being North America primarily, but we've actually had international companies that are now saying, you know, as a production service company, for example, how can I help my American or North American counterpoints make sure that we're, you know, holding fast to these ideals? And then how can we also describe that to our colleagues in 
X com- a country, you know, how can we kind of take this to that next level? So that's been really exciting. It was actually in some ways unanticipated. Um, and so to be able to have people that come in and they say, I want to volunteer to do this. I want to lead in my community to help out. It's really super inspiring. I think that's true of so many of our uh, our creative endeavors is you you maybe go into it with with some intention and then it kind of takes on a life of its own and people hear about it and find it and maybe sculpt it a little bit or evolve it a little bit and and you have the direction that you're going in but you just kind of have to let it be be the be what it is and and grow in its own organic way so um we we talked about this a little bit at the beginning but I want to kind of delve a little bit deeper into the advertising industry specifically and why as opposed to film or television or any other type of production why this work is important in advertising why is it uniquely important to do this type of work in the advertising industry as opposed to film or television or maybe in conjunction with film and television I mean, the, the, the short answer is that's the industry we're all in. <laughs> so we see what's in front of us. We see what the problems are. We see how we can make, you know, improve things. And so we, we get together and, and, and that, that, you know, that's what we're going to focus on. But I think that that, you know, certainly could expand to other areas of production um, and, and perhaps beyond. Uh, but I, I think that's why it started, why our work started where it did. I think the other thing to think about is, you know, there are a lot of brands that are making commitments towards being sustainable or more sustainable brands. And as they do that, they have to consider, you know, of production, including how they're branding, how they're communicating to their customers, uh, you know, has to be thought of as, as part of it. And, and for many brands, we think they haven't yet considered that. But when we talk to, you know, people at brand, they, they immediately understand it, but it's almost like, oh no, we, we didn't really think about that part of it, but they're already starting to really address all these different aspects of their, of their kind of chain. And, and Julian, I mean, you can really probably speak more directly to that because that's what you've been really looking at, but yeah, I mean, that's a big, big important part of why we're really focusing on this space. Like Julian said, it's where, where we all work in the ad business, but beyond that, um, you know, it does connect to kind of what's ha- what we see in front of us. Yeah, we're seeing a shift in society right now where people are, are really holding the brands and products that they purchase and consume and, and you know, love in many cases accountable for, for you know, they, they want the brands, to, the companies to, that they buy from to, to express their values in the marketplace. They want to know, I mean, it, it would have seemed laughable 15, 20 years ago to, to think that it would matter to anyone what you know the soap that soap company stood for in terms of its politics or <laughs> progressive policies but but um people are getting called out on social media for for sometimes accidentally doing the wrong thing um and and so i think that it's it's become very you know people really keep a mental track of 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 what the the brands and products they consume stand for or at least in their minds um and so i think that we're seeing that that change and I think the brands are really taking notice of that and realizing they need to step up and, and you know, reinforce the, that, that image that they're projecting. Yeah. And I'd say there's a few other factors too, like corporate sustainability officers at brands traditionally, because I go to a lot of sustainability events, as you can imagine. So I go to a lot that are, that are industry, not, you know, that aren't, have, don't have anything to do with film, television, or advertising. It's about the brands. 
And uh, I meet these corporate sustainability officers of, of Fortune 500 companies. And it's like, it doesn't even occur to them to like look at them because they're just looking at supply chain and that's where their main focus is. And so sometimes it's too small of a piece for their overall sustainability puzzle, but now they're starting to realize how important it is. Um, but I'd also say that uh, there's just a sheer volume of commercial production is why it's so important to really push this through in advertising. Film and television is important too, and there's a lot of film and television production, but uh, in, in, you know, there's so many commercials being shot all the time, all over the world, and, they, um, and the kind of the gestation period of like from concept to, 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 to delivery is much shorter than for a film or TV show. And so you can actually you know, affect more people and more communities by shifting the advertising industry. Still important to do the film and television though too, right. but I think that's why, you know, one of the reasons why it's, you know, advertising is very important to address right now because it's like they build a village and they tear it down and send it to landfill two days later. It's really, um, we have, that has to stop. I think in film and television too, there was a, there has been a movement to make this change. And then when people in the advertising space were looking at some of the guidelines and recommendations, it didn't really snugly fit with the way that things get done in advertising. And so sometimes the reaction was, well, we just won't do it, or we don't know how to do it, or we can't relate. Now, we know that obviously there's so much crossover between entertainment and advertising now that we see that this is going to be another case of joining forces, but we wanted to make sure that we were speaking the language of the people that we wanted to be able to hear it, right? Like we, we couldn't, if we were standing outside of this industry, it would be very difficult to affect that change because we just wouldn't understand the way business gets done, the culture, the people. And so again, because we stood inside of that, we felt like we were in a unique spot and then we can you know, through people, through entities like BAFTA, we can connect to film and television very well. And pretty soon, again, it'll be that common language where, you know, I mean, as Michael likes to say, then a sustainable set will just be the norm and it won't be, you won't be questioning it. It won't be, is it a safe set? Is it a sustainable set? It'll just be a set. That's where filming happens. And this is how it's done. I stole yeah. your line, sorry. I know that's sort of I love that line from Michael. Yeah, like like when you do when you do uh, you can have you Michael do say it and then cut me out. <laughs> you can just move your mouth and I'll have Michael's yeah. voice. <laughs> just do a deep fake. <laughs> that's right. I promise we're not deep faking any of these interviews. <laughs> um, right at the end here, I only have one more question for you guys before I let you go. And I, I always like to end these conversations with kind of a forward thinking question and the answer is usually I don't have a crystal ball so how am I supposed to know but I like to ask anyway because I want to know you know where where are your goalposts and, and where are you kind of going so if if I ask you to imagine five years from now 10 years from now 15 years from now what the advertising industry might look like or what kind of change you may have been able to affect in these next few years um, what is your vision or or hope for the future for the advertising industry. I think that all of us would agree that our hope would be that five, 10, 15 years from now, you don't need green the bid because of the, what we just said, that it's not a, a green set, a sustainable production. It's just a set, it's just a production. It's just completely the norm. Um, and, and we don't have to be out there um, shouting from the mountaintop about all of the things that we could be doing to uh, reduce waste and, um, you know, the carbon footprint of, of everything that we do. 
Yeah, that, that'd I, be my, that's my goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I and just to off off of what Julian said, I'd say uh, we'd like to be more specific. I'd like to see us uh, net carbon uh, new, neutral and uh, and zero waste as an industry um, by 2025, which is which is ambitious, but it's very it's very doable. A lot of countries are shooting for uh, um, net carbon neutrality by, you know. Uh, you know, having their, the, you know, their carbon footprint by 2030, but the, the ad advertising industry moves faster, like we said. I'd like to see it actually truly regenerative by 2030, you know, so that we're actually net carbon negative and we're actually uh, building communities where we shoot and leaving everywhere where we go better than when we got there. Because sustainable is just the status of quo. Like, you, you know, be sustainable is just to make it not any worse than it is. But regenerative is the the real the real uh, direction we need to head. Yeah, I mean, coming out of a, a year that's been really difficult for a lot of people, uh, one that's made us confront a lot of kind of the worst sides of society and and uh, try to envision what better might look like. I hope that ten years down the line, we've we've solved some of these problems so that we can live a more equitable, um, a more just. Uh, a more world-friendly and healthy lifestyle um, so that we can continue and we can, you know, have a, a, a world for our children to enjoy as well. Absolutely. What a, a great way to end a positive note and a lot of, a lot of hope for the future. Jesse, Julian, Michael, thank you so, so much for joining us. I will make sure to uh, link to all the Green the Bid resources in this video. So if you work in any aspect of the advertising industry, like we said, no matter which piece you belong to, there, there is something there for you. Make sure you can go check it out, sign up and, and learn more. Thank you all so much for taking the time. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I think it's so important to be, to be talking about this and, and moving the ball forward. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Grace.